Acts 6 and realizing that there can be and is a struggle about how we are to serve. As Amy has rightly told us this morning, all of us matter. Especially in this culture that's cynical of preachers and church people, the way you live out your life, especially as we'll get to this morning, how you serve, you matter more than you realize. And so you have this struggle here, just following along in some background, where preachers are, are ought to do, and you see them in verse 1, they're doing their part, not just ministering in the Word and taking care of sacraments and the ordering of the church, but they've been doing their part to serve too, but there's been a complaint that some people have been overlooked, these particular widows. And so there's that struggle. And so, listen, you ought to get frustrated with your pastors if, if they're not doing their part. Preacher gets up here and says you ought to give, preacher better be given. Preacher says you ought to serve, you ought to be, he, ought, he or she ought to be serving. You ought to be in a small group, you ought to be in Sunday school, preacher better be in those things. Okay, But what we see here is the struggle of them doing their part, but then saying to the people, you've got to do a part too and help us with this. Now listen. If we didn't really study well, we might just leave it there. But it's interesting. Go and read the rest of Acts today. There's your homework. When are these preachers and disciples mentioned again in the entire book of Acts? In any significant way. With the exception of Peter, they are not. Now, every last one of them, except for John, are martyrs for their faith. They wonderfully serve the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? But none of them are really mentioned in any significant ways or shown their ministries except for Peter. But these who are chosen here to roll up their sleeves and to make sure that people who are in desperate need are served, we hear about them again. We hear about Stephen, the first martyr of the church. We hear about Philip preaching the gospel at Samaria. We hear about Philip getting the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. That's the kind of life, that's the kind of ministry that gets celebrated people who will, yes, share the gospel, but they'll roll up their sleeves and they'll get their uniforms dirty to serve people who need the gospel. And so it is a reminder to the church that there really shouldn't be a split. And there's sadly a split that happens here in Acts 6. We tried to get it back somewhat in the Protestant Reformation 1,500 years later, but we're still wrestling with this split. Who's supposed to do what? My father-in-law is a former missionary and had taught at college, but he also pastors and has pastored for decades. And he has told me on more than one occasion he has called upon somebody to pray in one of his churches. I want you to pray. Would you pray for us? And he, he has gotten this response several times. Preacher, that's what we pay you to do. Now, we're not like that here. And to prove it, I'm going to call on one of you to pray, and you're going to get up and pray right now. Yeah, that preacher, that's what you do. And we all need to do what we do. That's the beauty of the body. We all matter. We all have different spiritual gifting, God-given talents, different passions. And all of us have to be serving in those ways for the glory of God and to bless the needs of others. And so this morning, if you're following along in your notes, we ask that question, why do we serve? And let's be honest, um, let's be careful, 
We, we can live in a culture that says it's all about me. And sometimes the church, and we're going to see a little video real quick, sometimes the church can fall into that trap. This is just a short, fun poke at that, but we can all admit that there are times we wrestle with this. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guy, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. <laughs> Me Church, where it's all about you. You're not getting a pony. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Verse 1. Our widows are being overlooked. It's a right complaint. It's a right complaint, okay? It's okay to share truth when there's a need. But what an opportunity. Our widows are being looked up, overlooked. They could have done something about it. But instead, it's you should be doing these things. Instead of seeing this as an opportunity to serve, they put it on the disciples. You get this done. Forget the fact that in verse 1 it says all kinds of numbers are being added to the church. We don't care that you've got all these other responsibilities. You get it done. And what we see here is an opportunity to not miss, and I think both sides miss it here, the opportunity for them to roll up their sleeves and to serve. Why do we serve? We serve first, as we said last week, not because it's mandated. This is who God is. Last week, and I, I, want to, I want to encourage you to go back and watch that sermon because we talked about some of the specific needs. If you weren't here last week, uh, we talked about some of the specific needs we have as a church and the ways that we're growing, the doors that God's opening, and we need to step out and support those new ministries. But we also not only give because God's a giver, as we saw in the psalm last week, we serve because it's God who first served us. For even I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. This is right after he has said for the third time, I'm going to die. And then what is that followed by? You've got James and John saying, hey, which side can we sit on in glory? Where can we be in your glory? Are you kidding me? And yet Jesus in this moment, instead of crushing them for that, says, you know what? And this is again the beauty of our Savior. That's not even mine. That's my Father's. Even in that moment where he might have said, what are you guys talking about? He, he, in that act, is serving his father. I defer that authority to my father to say where you sit. 
You know that in this world, kings are tyrants and officials lorded over their people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. You must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That's the model we see in Jesus's life. And that's the model that's to be ours. We serve, we serve because God serves us, but we also serve because it gives us credibility when we do that. From one of our Bible readings this week, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, I've become a servant of everyone so that I can bring them to Christ. Um, one of the great opportunities you and I have when we serve is to make the gospel clear. I was blessed to do student ministry for about 13, 14 years. And, and most of my students were visual learners. You could tell them about things, but they needed to see it. Church, they need to see us. When they, when they see you working with the, the kids of our church, that, that matters. When our community sees us, whether it's going to Jackson or whatever it might be, that matters. And in this young culture, they will not believe what we, as our choir said, say. It's our works that will, it's our deeds that will outrun our words. They need to see it. It's incredibly important for you and I to do that. I'd read a story from, that was from decades upon decades, probably 100 plus years ago, of a young girl who lost her family in a house fire, but she was rescued by a stranger. But in the chaos of that moment, uh, nobody saw who it was that rescued her. She had no family in the surrounding area, so a judge was left to decide who was going to raise and take care of this girl. And all kinds of people, well-intentioned people, came to that meeting to, to offer their lives to this young community girl. People who were wealthy who said we could give her a good life. People who were educators to say we could take her under our wings. And educator, people who just wanted to, to be compassionate to this girl who was on her own and say we'll give her this we'll give her that but at the end of the proceedings one person walked into the room who looked to be poor was very unkempt but he simply just held up his hand and they were burned and they were scarred guess who the girl went home with the one who served the one who gave and so what we're reminded of here in Acts, we're reminded again of this important that for, for then, but also especially in our age, when people see our burns and our scars, that matters and it makes clear the gospel. And, I, and I, I'll, I'll come back to that as we close this morning. But thirdly, if you're following along in your notes, we also do it because it brings us together we're reminded that we're the body of christ and we all function with different members all of us with different gifts talents and passions paul says to the church we work as partners who belong to god under his direction the whole body is fitted together perfectly philippians uh, ephesians 4 16 says as each part does its own special works it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love Maybe both sides overreact a little bit. The disciples, maybe some in the community, because we're reminded here in Scripture, and we see it so beautifully done in the beginning of Acts, we all come together to serve in a variety of ways. I love serving with y'all. Rise Against Hunger, look, it's not just because I want to see people in bad hairnets. 
It's great when we all get together to serve. We're Delta Grace. But to hear stories of why not now. Uh, to hear stories of Sunday schools serving together, small groups Sunday serving together. We not only serve the Lord, we not only serve needs, but there's an encouragement when we're brought together for the purposes of Christ. Now, following along again in your notes, there's results from this. There's fallouts from this kind of life. When we get serious about how are we going to meet needs, in verse 7 you see, well, here, of course the obvious fallout is these widows are taken care of. And that's huge and it's important. That whole church said, let's take time out to determine this. But that's not what happens. It's not just that. Look at verse 7. The word of God. The word of God keeps spreading. When we look like the word of God says to look, the word gets spread. Not only that, but it says numbers increased. Disciples kept getting increased. And then we see the depths of the results. This kind of serving, even priests who are against the church, whom Jesus has called out, all that animosity, all that struggle, even priests are coming to the faith. And it's, it's deemed because of partly this, because the church serves well. It's all kinds of wonderful blessings and opportunities when all of us as the church find our place in ministry and serve well. So, how are we going to do that? I know you're already doing that, but how will you do it in this coming year? We take the opportunity of this season to say, Lord, what do you have for me? What doors are you opening? How have you blessed me this year in my own growth or with my own gift or talents or passions to serve you? We're reminded that in verse 5, your gift, it matters. There's a lot of college football yesterday. I know I should mention that. Several of our teams lost. But imagine a 380-pound lineman playing quarterback and a 328-pound lineman playing wide receiver. That'd be a great game to watch, by the way. But they wouldn't get anything done, probably. And so the reminder here in, gift, in, in verse 5 is your gift matters. However the Lord has equipped you, given to you, it matters. You matter. We've got spiritual gift assessments on our website as you go to sign up for ministries for this year, madisonumc.org backslash go. There, there are ways for you to find out, and we try to fit most of our gifts to that. Paul says to the church in Rome, God's given each of us the ability to do certain things well. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. It's important for us then to know that gift, to know our talents, to know our passions, because otherwise what we're going to find out is somebody's going to bug us to do something. We're not going to do it by the Spirit's leading, and we're going to do it, and we're going to be tired and frustrated because it's not in our gifting. We're not going to see the fruits that, that ought to come from it because it's not in our gifting or in our talents. So it's important for us to have the season to pray through and say, Lord, I don't want the guilt of having to do everything. Show me where you would use me this year and to take the time to do that as paul says to those in galatia make a careful observation exploration of who you are and the work you've been given and then sink yourself into that but i love this reminder in verse three we're reminded that not only does your gift matter but your character matters we get all excited about what i ought to do for the lord but before the lord wants you to do anything he wants you 
The beauty of what the Lord comes to do is not just set you apart for ministry, but to set you apart. He wants to work in your heart and in your character first, and that's a part of their discernment here. Who's, who, who has wisdom? Who has the spirit? Who has a good reputation? Your character matters, and God can use that and wants to use that for his glory. One other thing I'm going to add, and it's not from our text this morning, but it was in our three-year Bible reading plan this past week that I think is a reminder and a help to us as we serve. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 20. I won't read all of that to you, but you'll, you'll be reminded that Paul has said, listen, I just want to win people to Jesus. And to the Jew, I'm a Jew. And then he closes that by saying, to win the weak, I became weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. There are many of us in this room who have been through it. You've been hurt, or you've had a very difficult trial or temptation in your life that the Lord's brought you through, but there's a lot of baggage with that. And we don't want to bring that to light. I understand that. Those hurts or those struggles or a past, I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to ever touch that again. But what, but what Paul suggests here, and what we're seeing in so many of our, our ministries, is that God can work good and take something that was a hurt or a trial and use it for his glory and to bless other people to hear your testimonies through our celebrate recovery i'm not going to let the codependency that shackled my life or the addictions that shackle my life not only am i going to not let the devil shame me on that i'm going to i'm going to come and i'm going to serve so that god can redeem that and use my hurts and past struggles to bless others or in the way that you minister to people in our congregation that yes you've been through a hurt with a child but i'm going to let god Use that, redeem that by minister to somebody else who's going through the very same thing. To the weak, I became weak. Paul says to the church in Corinth, he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. It's a great reminder to us. How is it? Can we give our stuff, even our hurts, to serve others? God can do that. Disciples were doing their part. The church began to do their part. And I love how it's, it's the seven that get highlighted in the book of Acts. People who will get their uniforms dirty. People who will roll up their sleeves. God will celebrate and highlight that. How is that for you? This coming year, to say to God anew, send me to whoever you want. Let me do whatever you want me to do for your glory and to bless those who are in need. All right? Let's, let's, let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this, your word. Bless now our response to it. We have, we have seen that our serving comes from the model of your son, Jesus Christ, how he served us to the very end to save our souls. Father, we just pray you would bless our part in his kingdom work to serve others. Holy Spirit, come and give us your discernment and wisdom in that. In Christ's name we pray for his glory. Amen.